Black Panther, Monikers, and Hunt for the Ring. This is Staying In. Just taking a sip. How are you going to do that throughout without making that sound that you just did? Well, I, I imagine that yeah. in the listeners would enjoy the sound of me just uh, just taking a sip of the water. Well, it's not, it's not water. water. That is that is what's coming out of your taps. You really need to contact the water board. <laughs> okay. Hang on. Do you really need to drink that close to the mic? Play along at home, listener. What was Sam drinking there? It's not as pleasant doing it right. as it is listening to it. I mean, that could be applied to so many things. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Chris. Sam. We're here together. Is it just the two of us? Let me just check. Pete! Dan! It's just the two of us. It is just the, just the tune oh of us. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> so where are we, Sam? Where are we currently reposing? We're currently in my living room. There's, there is a roaring fire behind me. Okay. I'm currently sitting on a bean bag that my mum made. Okay. And you're sitting on a couch that my mum did not make. No, she didn't make this. And we ju- we just we ju- actually just finished playing Hunt for the Ring. Hunt for the Ring. Now, now Sam. Yes, Chris. Listener, you know how sometimes when you introduce <laughs> something to someone and inside you're thinking after the end of that experience, you want to ask the question, did you like it? Mm-hmm. But there are certain moments when you think, this isn't the right time to ask that question because I already know the answer to that question. I can feel it in the room, the atmosphere. You don't need to answer it, Sam. Do I not need to answer it? No, because I already know the answer. What I thought of Hunt for the Ring. What you thought of Hunt for the Ring. So this is a board game from Ares Games who are uh, famous for like War of the Ring, uh, Battle of the Five Armies, so Lord yeah. of the Rings themed stuff as well as other stuff which they've done as well. Um, it's about... Oh, God, I've been following this game for well over a year. It was supposed to come out in August and it being um, Ares Games and they, they're very meticulous about um, their products I only got it in January Well Lisa's birthday present was delayed because of this game Do you think that's My ordering, not, nothing to do with Ares themselves no. Well the game was delayed by the Ares game was delayed. It was, it was meant to be Ares. out at some point and it wasn't Yeah, and I bought something for Lisa for her birthday and actually ended up being closer to the, her, her upcoming birthday <laughs> this closer year. closer to mine, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, so this is a hidden movement game where basically one player plays the part of Frodo um, or in the second part of Gandalf and basically you've got to secretly make your way to Bree for the first half and then Rivendell for the second half and the other player are the Nazgul or the Ring Wraiths and they've got to try and find them and pick up their trail, let's say, as in the books. It's illustrated by the paintings of John Howe, the Tolkien um, artist in residence and... Um, I was really hyped up about that this game, and I think, in some respects, some of that hype plus a theme that I adore has has kind of blindsided me by um, what apparently, and I say apparently because Sam and I have already talked a bit about this, is quite a um, a kind of excessive amount of game mechanics which it- can hinder. I suppose that, that that am I putting words in your yeah, mouth? Yeah, no, Sam? no, no. It's a, it's a strange game. Like we've talked on the we've talked on the pod before. Um, about Whitehall, uh, Whitehall or Whitechapel? Shall I double check? It's I don't think it's either of those actually. It's it's White's side. White men can't jump. White's. White. I mean, I could just go and get it. Stripes. White stripes. 
White. Hang on. Uh, well, it'd be easy to Google it. No, it's not. It's easier to get it. Hmm. What do you mean, get it? Why, why get it? Just read the box. <laughs> it's better to get it. White Hall. Okay. Mystery. Another you couldn't hold that word in your head. Another murder in the shadow of Jack. So... I think we talked about Whitehall before. We have, yeah, we had a whole podcast today. This. Um, um, and with Lisa, actually, Lisa was on for that episode, I think. And you're coming uh, to mine next weekend, along with Chris and Dan, Pete and Dan. Uh, I'm already here. Pete and Dan, yeah. And this is one. This is one game that I'm really, um, I'm actually really excited to play with with the other guys as well. And I think one of the designers was involved with the making of this that was also involved with the make of Hunt for the Ring. Yes, exactly. That's what so, piqued lots of people's interest, actually, about this title. So there's a lot of... And I think that that, in a way, hampers it for me as a game because I'm playing Hunt for the Ring and thematically, like, it's wonderful. Yeah, like, completely. You get that feeling of, oh, I'm Frodo in this instance and I'm being hunted by the Nazgul and I'm trying to get the ring to breathe and I'm trying to get the ring to Rivendell with Gandalf helping me in the second part. But as you know, as someone who plays a lot of board games, all I'm thinking of is this hidden movement style game has been done a lot more elegantly and dramatically uh, better in Whitehall. For every mechanic in Whitehall, there's about four in Hunt for the Ring. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I spent a lot of my turn as Frodo. I plotted my move... I played my card, and then I had to wait for you to do, to work your way through the five dice that you'd rolled that determined what you could do on your move. Which is a very War of the Ring thing. It's a very War of the Ring thing, I grant you. But I think when it comes to hidden movement, that was just a, a massive tension breaker for me. Okay. Because like you, you were spending so long trying to decide what you were going to do with your dice, and... You can't even really plan, start planning steps ahead because you don't know what dice you're going to roll on your next turn. So that slows down the play even more. And what's beautiful about Whitehall is because you've got this one play playing Jack the Ripper and they've got one objective, just move to four locations, commit a murder at each of those four locations, you win. All of the other players have only got one objective, which is just to hunt for Jack the Ripper. You've got two mechanics... You move, you search, or you move, back or you arrest. So this is back when there were only four police officers in London. Yeah. Yeah. And what's so beautiful about a hidden movement game when the mechanics are stripped back is that it allows that tension, that drama to grow in between the seams. Completely. Whereas in Hunt for the Ring, there's so much mechanics going on that I was so focused on, am I doing the right thing? You've got three different ways of searching in this game. Yeah, completely. Which is, which to me is just absolutely ridiculous in terms of killing all the tension that's meant to be in the situation. Now, thematically, the game the game is beautiful, and if you're a fan of oh, Lord of the Rings and indeed the gameplay series, I think this sits really well in the trilogy. But for me, as a standalone game, it just doesn't work. There's mm. parts of the game where I knew that I was safe. Yeah. And I couldn't be hurt because basically this game is just setting up stuff for the next game in the series, which you've already got. Yeah, um, I, I, I like there's no, there, there there was no lose state for me really. Oh, there there was. I mean, like so the way it works is for those who aren't familiar with the books of Lord of the Rings, as soon as Frodo slips on this ring, he becomes corrupted by it, essentially the whole premises of of this you know 
one of the most innocent people in this world being given the most powerful weapon in the world and to what extent he can withhold that corruption um so there are there is some kind of stakes there i think my problem is i think guys i'm i'm still i'm too in this i'm infatuated by this game i mean like i am infatuated by it i'm infatuated by the war of the ring like uh, i and i think to some extent this has happened a bit with the most recent star wars film like um i have this image of it in my head and that's what that i think is what's going to um keep me coming back to playing this game this kind of the theme of it i enjoy like Whitechapel, mechanically, it is a much more streamlined and focused game. Mm. It's a game that will reach more people. Yeah, they're about. I can count on one hand the kind of, the people that I know who will play Hunt for the Ring with me. But there's almost an infinite amount of people that play White um, White. <laughs> to keep looking at the name <laughs> Whitechapel with me. But I would argue I do not like the theme of Whitechapel. Do you not? Not at all. No. Um, I don't like that at all. But I love the theme of Hunt for the Ring. And I was saying to you earlier, I would not buy Hunt for the Ring if it was any other theme. Because there are much more interesting hidden movement games. We talked about Osprey's fantastic Escape yeah. from the Aliens of Outer Space, which I think is a fantastic hidden movement game. And for me, an- another example of when the mechanics of that game are kept really simple, you know, the aliens move two spaces, humans can move one. It's a brilliant game. Brilliant mechanic. And, and then there's, there's, there's slight things, there's slight variations that you can play off that, which I kind of feel again loses that tension for me a hidden movement game grows from the cracks left in between and the more mechanics you shove in between those cracks to try and make it more of a a a game in Mm. uh, inverted commas around it than that than that where it suffers which is for me is why white 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 (laughs) happen I, do you know what? When we talked about this last game, this game last time, we actually had to Google the bloody name because yeah, I, I know, just can't I know, remember the name. It's because of this. the problem is, is because it's a variant of White Chapel. No letters from White Chapel. Yeah, uh, it's a variant of that, and it's called Whitehall, and it's very much is a stripped down version for me. And 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 that's where the beauty lies in it. It's the fact that for me, the beauty of hidden movement is is isn't just that element of tension. It isn't just that sort of perfect balance of mechanics is where where are those pegs of storytelling coming from because at at the end of a hidden hidden movement game we should have finished hunt for the ring and our conversation shouldn't have been oh that mechanic was a little bit sloppy or you know um if only i hadn't i forgot to do that bit at that point it should have been oh i was there and you were only one step behind me but then i i went down this path and i yeah. went down here and then and then you went over there and then oh that bit where you almost caught me like that that should be our conversation at the end of every hidden movement game is is those narrow escapes or those victories or those defeats and how they came about like f- for me if you're going to and that's why hidden movement games are one of the most um, sort of uh, delicate board games if you're going to make one they're one of the most dangerous to make because for me their success or failure is judged on what happens after it like it's very symptomatic if you're not having that conversation after a hidden movement game then for me that game fails on on some sort of mechanical level and I think as well the fact that it's tied into the Lord of the Rings I think I think deep down unconsciously for you is the fact that you always knew you were going to win because that's what happens in the books yeah Exactly, but but I would argue in War of the Ring. I think what War of the Ring does so well in Battle of Five Armies is that it really explores the what if scenarios and it allows you to play those out more. Whereas this, literally, the board is long and thin. You are very you're, you're literally a bottleneck. The whole board is, mm-hmm. and it means that that suddenly that kind of that that sandbox feeling you get with the other two titles 
it feels less and less like that. It feels like a much more, and particularly in the second part, it is a directed game. Because in the second part, Frodo's movements are programmed. Yeah. And you, you play as Gandalf providing kind of um, distractions, and um, basically, for the now school players, which I do like as a concept. I think also the fact that we played... This is the first time I've played it all the way through. Yeah. The, the game is actually split into two parts and there's like a lovely little gesture to the novels where you've kind of got this envelope. Oh, you're so in love with this thing. It's, it's I am. Well, I mean, I've pre-ordered, I pre-ordered this bloody game. <laughs> to be honest, like, I don't so think deep down, I can't it. accept the fact that I, I don't think that it holds up mechanically and I will play this quite rarely. But I think because I'm, I'm so in love with the idea of the game, I think, I'm, I'm still in that honeymoon period with this. I haven't mm. played it enough to kind of really start to criticise it because I'm still having to keep looking at the rule book and I don't feel I can kind of judge it on its merits yet because, as you said, there was stuff in the, the rules that we kind of forgot or missed out and that would have affected gameplay. I think, like with War of the Ring, when we played that, we each watched like an hour-long playthrough yeah. to prep ourselves for that. But that's worth it, though. That, that War of the Ring is on the scale of of any grand and epic war game. I mean, we played that for about six hours. Yeah. I mean, and we walked the dog twice <laughs> during that process. The dog was looking at us, plaiting its legs, wanting to be let out. Yeah, um, I, I really enjoyed War of the Ring. And to be honest, if if Hunt for the Ring has, has taught me one thing, is actually I'd, I'd really love to have that, like an afternoon, a, a, a day with you with War of the Ring again. Because what I love about War of the Ring is, I think part of it is the fact that there's a symmetry in the gameplay. We're almost playing the same the same game mechanically, but we have different goals and, yeah, and yeah, different yeah. and different things to work to. So it's a lot more collaborative in 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 that respect. And do you think one one day in uni I once watched uh, all three of the extended cuts? I've done that of Lord of the Rings back to back. Yeah, it's about eleven hours, isn't it? Yeah. So do you think that one day we'll have? A, a, a week, a weekend, where we play Hunt for the Ring parts one, parts two, Battle of the Five Armies, and then War. We the start Ring. with Battle of Five Armies. Oh, you start with Battle of Five Armies. Sorry. No, no, don't apologise. And then we play Hunt for the Ring, and then we play War of the Ring. I think that would be the ultimate test for our friendship. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on. I mean, I mean. The fact that the company elected to say, look, okay, we've created basically <laughs> a three-hour hidden movement game. We've got to put a break in there somewhere. I've never seen that for a board game before. Can you think of any way the game's split into two and it's actually designed for you to take a break and say, look, if you want, you can just play half the game and save it in this envelope. But if you want to, you can carry on like we did today, play it in free. No, I've never, I've never encountered a save state within a within a board game before I kind of don't like. I, I, to be honest I'm thinking if we'd saved it I think it, weeks would pass before we carry on with part two and we wouldn't be that into it anymore mm. personally do you, do you know what I would love and this is getting really geeky and granular okay. about about Hunt for the in, indeed the whole ring series yeah just with like with Whitehall I'd, I'd love Fantasy Flight to get hold of it I'd, okay. I'd, I'd love them to just take it and develop it and just just give it a bit of that sheen and polish that it deserves because they, they've got a track record of. But I would chuck in the mix Fury of Dracula. You're talking about mechanics and long-winded hidden movements. Fury okay, of Dracula, yeah, seems to be a lot. And of Letters that. from Whitechapel, yeah, that seems to be a lot of that. So I don't. And, know and I think I think Hunt for the Ring has kind of put me off. I've I've been sort of thinking about Fury of Dracula and Letters from Whitechapel for Same. a long time, and I and I think playing Hunt for the Ring has put me off a little bit because it's. 
it has made me realise that what I actually enjoy about about hidden movement games is the drama, the tension, and I think personally the more mechanics that you put into that are just going to get in the way of anything that's created and I just think the sooner you get to that conversation at the end of the game yeah the better well let's say that the next time we play it we'll actually implement our own house rules yeah we'll f- we'll figure some out I, am, I wouldn't be surprised if someone's already doing this on board game geek there'll be someone frodo frodo takes a beer in the uh prancing pony and gets drunk and yeah. it it kind of needs the opposite of an expansion <laughs> <laughs> you know they'll release a, they'll just release an empty box for you to take pieces out and keep it and put it elsewhere like, it, needs a comp- it needs a compression that's it. That's what so it yeah, so that it needs a compression. Yeah, I like that. No, we'll do that. I think so. Definitely. I'm glad. I'm glad I own it. I definitely. I do not regret purchasing it at all because it is. I mean, it's a, it's a beautiful production. It, it is gorgeous. Nice, yeah. It is gorgeous on the table. Definitely. Do you imagine if Poppy's voice was like two octaves lower? But like a little modulator. Can you not get it? I mean, it's unethical, I know, but if she smoked a few cigars. <laughs> Just as a vivisection. So, Sam, my parents went to Copenhagen. Copenhagen? Copenhagen. And, um, in Denmark? Yes, indeed, in Denmark, yeah. Good. Um, I'm glad I got that right. Yeah, good. <laughs> Didn't have to go and run and grab the box. Hang um, on! You didn't have to go and grab Ticket to Ride and just... <laughs> so, yeah, so they went to Copenhagen and I uh, got a message from them. on uh, It was on the WhatsApp group. We have a family group. And uh, they'd gone into this kind of like... I kind of almost like... I, from what the impression I got, it was like some kind of alternative shop. A shop that sells alternative goods, that kind of thing. What do you mean by alternative? Well, this is what I'm trying to get. So, basically, it, it, it smelt of a particular drug. And my mum didn't know what that was. Okay, my dad had brilliant. To I, it to I was <laughs> okay. I was thinking like a tattoo. Pattern. No, 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 no. Yeah, she came out with like looking like an old school desk. <laughs> um, and um, <laughs> she said, "Oh, I don't know what this smell is." And um, and she bumped into this kind of tourist from Ireland, this lovely lady there, and they saw on this table, like. Um, you know, there's only one way I want this story to end. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. <laughs> so did I when I was scrolling through the WhatsApp group. Um, but she saw this this paper and it had like these creases in it. And I thought, ooh, like, like origami. <laughs> and her and this kind of Irish tourist, this lady there from Ireland was there. And they thought, oh, same thing. And they started rolling it up. <laughs> and my dad turned around. And my mum rolled a spliff. <laughs> <laughs> In complete ignorance. With nothing in it, obviously, but she just rolled this kind of shell, just not knowing what she was building. I love that as an idea. Just <laughs> just rolling a joint. Yeah. Nothing in it. A blunt, ready to go. It's a bit like the whole expansion. Um, what was it? Compression, did you say? Yeah, yeah, compression of an yeah. idea. I love that whole in- innocence. Uh, Blissfully innocent. When we, um, we went away last, uh, at the end of last year, for my mum's 60th birthday, we went to... Uh, it was me and Lisa, my brother and his uh, partner, and my mum and her partner, and we we all went away to um, this. We rented this house uh, for the weekend, and it, it was really nice. And I'm, I'm 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 like I'm always really hesitant when when we go away 
Yeah. And this is connected to... But why is that? Why are you hesitant? Because when I go away, I know that when I'm with you and uh, Pete and Dan and everyone else, that we like we we know we we spend our time we play we play games in the evening that's how we that's how we socialize now really yep. like we don't just you haven't just come around tonight and just sat around had a drink and we just chatted we we played a game and we yep. and we socialize over that so when i go away it's like i know how much fun we can have playing games but sometimes i feel like it's really tricky like introducing games to to people and so um, this is public information because I imagine there'll be listeners in the same boat. Yeah, completely. And th- and this refers to your whole thing about about innocence. Okay. I, I will come back round to that. Okay, it's gonna, we'll stick it's, a pin in that. It's, it's going to take. It's gonna p- stick a pin in that. So um, so usually when when so when we went away, um, I took about two big like bag for life carriers of board games. Okay. With me, do you want me to go and get them? No. Okay. Because I, I, because I've never, I've never played a board game with my mum or a partner. I've never played a board game with my brother. Well, not even Monopoly. Anything no, like that. no, nothing like that. I think I played. Um, I remember that me, and my brother had a copy of Mousetrap that we played. I think everyone did. Yeah, but in terms of anything I play now, like we've never played anything, so it's it's really difficult to think. You know what are they going to enjoy? What's going to be difficult? You know what what is is, is really going to is really going to land with them. So we were away. We got to the first evening, and Lisa was brilliant. She was like, "Oh, oh, you know, let's play a game." And possibly the standout game that we played, yeah, uh, was Monica's. Okay, Monica's. Yeah, got it. See, see, this is this is what's handy about recording at my house is I can just go and get the actual game. Yeah. So, um, Monica's comes from a from a traditional uh, sort of party game. Yep. Where people would put lots of different things inside a hat, like names of celebrities, a certain place in the world, um, a film, a single. And put all that into the hat, and then everyone plays from the same communal pool. And in the first round, uh, they can say anything they want to describe what they've picked out. On the second round, using the same communal pool, you can only say one word to describe what it is that you've picked out. And again, using the same communal pool, uh, you can't say anything at all. You can't say anything at all on the final round. So Monica's is this beautiful... Uh, thing of wonder, this big blue box that um, this company kickstarted Palm Court and Buffalo Games and Puzzles put together and basically it's a curated um, box of cards of different things and celebrities and situations and turns of phrases um, that have been put together inside this box so you know that feeling when you play charades and you've got to think of something you know, a book or a TV show, that, that sort of panic and that anxiety that you have of, oh, I've got to think of something clever or... Tron. <laughs> is, that, is that your go-to charade? That is my go-to one, Tron. Um, this Monica's box takes all that from you and also what it does is that it attributes each card a point value based on what, you know, how relevant or how sort of common um, that thing will be. And so... We got out Monica's 
And the first thing that the Monica's game actually does, which is which is really wonderful, is everyone gets a, um, a hand of ten cards, and they have time to look through that, and everyone puts five of those cards into the main common pool of the deck. So it sort of has this sort of self-regulatory way of ensuring that what goes into the common pool of deck, people are familiar with, and so you kind of pick cards. So what what's really good is when you're introducing this game to people like like my mum who I don't really play games with is that I'm able to pick stuff that I know I know my mum will know that I know that my mum will know who this person is or what this film is or what this situation is and sometimes I can I can go I don't I know my mum won't know that but it's going to be really funny getting her to explain yeah or try and describe exactly what this this thing is so that's why sort of a ground level monikers is really good game to introduce to 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 my mum at this point and I, I i tell you what it was one of the most hilarious games that that i've ever that i've ever played to give you to, to give you two examples um my mum had the card dracula yeah and so she was on the first round she picked up the card so she could say anything she wanted except for the the name on the card and she went not the guy with the um bolts in his neck the other one right because there was only two famously wasn't there <laughs> there was only two master villains of hammer of, horror of hammer horror and but the team member that was on her team got it dracula but the other thing that's wonderful about monica's because you're always using the same pool of cards from one round to another the group of players develop a, uh, a vocabulary around those cards and around what's being said, linking one thing to another. So when it came to the second round and someone on the team could only say one word to describe what was on the card, when they drew Dracula, instead of saying like teeth or blood or bat, they just went bolts. And they went, yep. This is how Cockney rhyming slang Dracula. was invented. Well, yeah, exactly. That's that's what's wonderful about it. It's, it's and and it's you know the term of the game. It's monikers. It's a word which is a reference to something else. And then when it came to the round where you could only mime something, people just did bolts yeah. on their necks rather than you know an actual Dracula move because that was in our turn in that game. That was a quicker way of getting to the point. And Again, what we're talking about with Hunt of the Ring is that when the game ends, that's an immediately that's a talking point that we could talk about. Like I was able to laugh with my mum about the fact that you know, what do you mean, not the guy with the bolts and the other guy, and then how that developed into this whole language that we developed with each other, and then going back to the <laughs> going back to what you're saying about your mum in the in, rolling a spliff, in yeah. rolling a spliff, and not knowing anything about it, yeah. So one of the cards that we had in our pool was Booty Call. Right. So I'm, I'm sure you're aware of a Booty Call and what a Booty Call is, Chris. Indeed. Um, we also had another card in our deck, which was Eating a Baguette. Okay. So we get to the... <laughs> we get to the mime stage. Oh, my gosh. It's either or. <laughs> And whereas your mum, in innocence, is rolling a spliff and not knowing it, yeah. with my mum, it was the shattering of the illusion of innocence where Lisa was miming the process of eating a baguette and my mum, without a flick, <laughs> without a flick of hesitation, went, booty call. 
amazing. But that, but I, I think that that's a beauty of Monica's, and I think that even though it's a it, 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 it's a game that you can essentially make yourself, and I think there's loads of games. Um, Skull and Roses is one. Telestrations. Telestrations. I played that the other night. Um, I made you a copy of of Skull and Roses for your you birthday. Indeed, yeah. Called, Boots and uh, Bangers. Boots and Bangers. Um, I think the beauty of, the, of of this blue box of monikers is that the the effort that's gone into the curation of the cards and the themes that they've picked and the um the elements that they've picked out of 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 films and tv and popular culture are so perfectly rendered to to especially our sense of humor and yeah. and how we love to interact and get in the best of situations it's I th- I think it's a must have. Like if if we're sort of like I don't know if we I feel like we've just done like two reviews back to back on this on this show, but I feel like it really is like a must have to have. Like it, it, must have to have. We've had so much fun with this little group. He's of caressing guys. the box as we speak, listener. <laughs> and so you're saying so if I so for example like my in laws they don't really play a lot of board games. Would this be a good gateway game for them? Yeah. Okay, and, and and it all comes down to how the game is put together. So the people that you're playing with have a direct input into what cards go into the pool. They have a vested interest into what's going in. And because you're split up into teams, the other people on your team pick cards to help people that are on your team. That that creates a really solid grounding for everyone to go into and then the mechanics that you play off then are really simple you know there are elements of charades and um uh, other games like taboo yeah. and you know things like that that the, the people who played more probably sort of mainstream games are very familiar with but all, all packaged up into this box and in terms of like introducing people into party games and things like that um it's one of the must-haves, but I, even though it's great, I tell you the one the one game that surprised me most over the over the recent months in terms of introducing people into, um, in terms of introducing to people who I don't usually play games with has been Dixit. Yeah, I played that again the other night. I'm 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 constantly surprised by that game because we we took it away for us from Mum's sixtieth. Took it away for us for Christmas as well. And playing it with um, with folks who don't really play that many board games, and you like pick it up and you go right. This is a and you explain it for the first time where this is a narrative storytelling game, and I'm going to give you a phrase, and then you're going to pick a card that relates that phrase, and then it's got this really overly complicated scoring system, and you think this is never going to work. But there's just I don't know what it is. Like there's some hidden beauty or mystique witchcraft about that game where it just because the cards themselves are these beautiful little kind of works of art aren't they yeah. they're these kind of trippy kind of surrealist abstract kind of utterly ambiguous kind of images that yeah, are kind and... of um, incredibly symbolic rife with symbolism and you may not know what that you may not know what that symbolism is 
and yes so you pick a subject so it might be a, a lyric from a song say for example you secretly place that card face down and other people look in their hands to find a card they feel matches that that motif yeah. they put it face card down they shuffle it up you deal it out and everyone has to vote on which card they think was your card and it might be that somebody else has picked a card that is more appropriate for the theme that you selected and if nobody guesses your card, you don't get any points. If everybody guesses your card, if you're too obvious, you don't get any points. You have to try and read the room and give a clue that some of the people in the room will guess and understand and others won't. And what's great is that if you've got a crap set of cards, you can just use those cards up. Yeah. So it's always changing. It's always updating. Conversations are happening. And somebody will say something like, um, um, I still recall our last summer put it face down you're like what they're not the, they listen to ABBA okay right and you flip and you flip over the cars you look at them and they're all like deaf doom and gloom like bloody hell somebody had a really crap summer <laughs> and, and then it, and then oh yeah no it says a lot about a person you know in terms of looking, yeah. in terms of the symbolism arrived there and, it, and what happens is then that some people will try and play to in jokes they have of another member of the team say, the for, yeah exactly yeah, yeah. so I played it the other day with two people um, you know one was my partner um, um, and her flatmate, and they were both kind of raised in Greece. So there were kind of certain turns of phrase or certain expressions in Greek. Oh, the olives are wonderful this year. <laughs> um, yeah, um, look at that for feta. Um, none of that, but like... <laughs> I've never felt feta. Yeah. And so there were kind of certain things there that were very interesting kind of to develop in terms of... Uh, and and um, her partner's... Um, uh, so her housemate's partner is English, so the two yeah. of us could use certain phrases. Say, for example, did they did they enjoy it? I like, loved they, it. Did they? And that's what I mean. Like, loved it's, it. It's, it crosses languages because it's not it's not engaging with text at all. Out of out of all out of all the party games that I've played recently, like Dixit is just incomparable. How the, the initial judgment of it, and and as someone who plays a lot of board games, I feel like I'm being kind of unfair and I'm and I feel like I'm sort of playing down other people's intelligence like I'm just I'm just scared to introduce it to people like I feel like because what because it seems quite infantilized well no 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 not infantilizing I, th- I, th- I just feel like the initial con the whole concept of it is so abstract like there's there's not much to grab onto in terms of mechanics and structure like Monica's has got it there like you know, you're playing with cards that say Frankenstein and Booty Call and, you know, whatever on it. There's something real to grab onto, but Dixit, Dixit, the whole game is kind of like you present it to people and you go, right, the whole game exists in your head, pretty much. Everything that's going to happen here is created by the conversations that we have Mm. and the cards that we put down. There's no, you know... There's no dice to roll. There's no board here. There's no money to ex- exchange. Whole dicks it. The whole game exists in your head. And I think that as as gamers, especially, I think we undervalue or misinterpret how that that ev- the capacity that everyone has for that type of game. Yeah. That that type of feeling of play and socialising. And I think Dixit is the perfect game that crosses all those barriers and enables and brings that out of everyone. It is it is just a joyous experience, and, I, and it somehow manages to bring that out of everyone. It's beautiful. And that's a kind of ironic thing because, like, even though it's a, a slightly more complicated rule 
much more in terms of its rules version of Dixit, Mysterium is actually an easier sell for people who like the familiarity oh, of having a board, mm-hmm. having an agenda. It looks very familiar to them. It's like, oh, is this like Cluedo? Okay, cool. Yeah, you yeah, can yeah, relate yeah, it to Cluedo, yeah, yeah. which makes sense. But yeah. even though it's basically Dixit with added on kind of rules, in the same way that Hunt for the Ring is like Whitehall. <laughs> Sorry, I have to look at the box again. Still I keep forgetting the name. Do you want me? Do you want me to hold it in front? If you of could, me? that'd be wonderful. Yeah, I'll hold it. You know when we did like Four Ragnarok, and I pointed at you, and you said, yeah. "Yeah," but it's a bit like that. So even that, it's a bit like Hunt for the Ring and Whitehall. The idea that you know, that's what Dixit is to yeah. Mysterium, say for example. Yeah. And it's ironic then that people find something as abstract and open and ambiguous as Dixit mm-hmm. quite a hard sell and hard to kind of. Um, understand or comprehend initially say as opposed to something like Mysterium which is grounded in a kind of a, a familiar kind of genre say or yeah. a series of tropes Sam I've got a confession what okay do <laughs> we need do you, want to, do you want to turn off no 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 it's alright it's alright hang on hang on Chris like, I'll, I'll, I'll just turn this I'll just turn this down right okay. turn what then Do, do, do you want? Like, I've, I've turned off the recording. Okay. I've turned it down. This is like Watergate, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. What, what, you, what have you got to say? No you one know, is listening at this no, point. No, no. It's just you and I. Yeah. That's it. Um, you know how, like, you're a bit miffed, weren't you, when I went to see Four Ragnarok, and you weren't there, even though I was going on a date with my significant other. Yeah. And, but you and, didn't and we're not. Me. We're not at that stage in the relationship yet where I can bring along a mate to our <laughs> date. Not? No, We've not yet. for no. ages. I know, I know. What do you mean you're not at that stage? I know. I don't, when is that stage? When does that happen? I don't know. When you lose all physical intimacy. Okay. <laughs> okay, well, I will let you all, know all the fa- and the listeners. Or being next to your partner is so abhorrent that you need someone yeah. to Have you sat between me? us <laughs> with a popcorn on your head? Um, at that point, you can invite me to see Marvel films with you. So um, uh, I work for a theatre company and uh, they're based in the Midlands and they do some work up in Liverpool where I live occasionally. And when they're in town, uh, we hang out and we kind of have meetings and stuff. Okay. And um, I got asked the question and I was in a crisis of conscience. They said, do you want to go and see Black Panther? Oh, Chris. I know, I know. And I was like... It would be great for our SEO if you have seen Black Panther. I have seen Black Panther. Have you? I have seen it. You told me earlier that you haven't seen it. No, I didn't say I hadn't seen it. I said, (laughs) Sam, do you want to see it? Because I was hoping you would say, actually, Chris, I've already seen it. Well, no, because I'd wait for you to go and see it. Oh, no, don't do that. Oh, jeez. Lisa doesn't want to go and see Black Panther. Why did she want to go and see that? Because it's not her bag. It's not not dark enough for her. (laughs) (laughs) Um... So yeah, so but it was actually it was at the end like we'd just done this meeting and they said do you want to go and see it? And I was like oh well, we're together and stuff and they'd already actually bought me the ticket, premier seat Sam. I've never sat in a premier. I sat in a premier seat. Do you know what, do you know what a premier seat's like? Yeah, I sit in them all the time. Do well, you? Well, yeah, because you buy the normal seats and then no, you don't s- they don't they check if you no, of course they don't check. They used to check. I remember that being a case. There'd be always be someone coming in with a torch and just checking. <laughs> I don't check. I just go and sit in the. I wait until the film starts. If no one sits in the premieres, I just slip myself into one of those. Okay, cool. That's good to know. This is your great cinema scam. <laughs> along, <laughs> along with my God, children's like, box of popcorn. You're like Paul Newman <laughs> um, in the Sting. So yeah, I so saw. I've seen Black Panther. Okay. Yeah. Let's go. This is a very hype film. Just saying, very hype film. 
What do you mean? So you didn't enjoy it? No, I loved it. Okay. And it was one of those moments so where it, it actually it lived up to the hype. Um, it's a very, very important film, obviously. It's that, that has been well publicised. I think you have to be living in a cave to not know the kind of shockwaves that this film has sent throughout um, Hollywood, irrespective of whether you've watched any Marvel film before. I think you can watch this standalone. You could watch this standalone. You, you could watch this and not watch any other Marvel film and not care about the Marvel Universe. That's absolutely fine. So my worry about Black Panther is the fact that we're, we're at a point now in the Marvel sort of pantheon where um there are there there, there's a certain band of characters who are part of the avengers who are well established and well known and we all get along with them they're all absolutely fine and then slowly over the time they've introduced more being ant-man and doctor strange and those two films have for me even though they've been great films have definitely felt like Okay, these these are sort of um, little vignettes in the part of the story, just to let you know who this person is, a bit of their origin. So when they pop up in the next big group and family film, you know where they come from. They make a bit more narrative sense, and this is their place within the world. So I've never felt that those the so I've never felt that let's say the origin stories post Avengers: Age of Ultron. And even Avengers have been that that great, so therefore that's why I've been a bit worried about Black Panther being another one of those origin stories, and another one of those kind of like, yeah, we're just doing a film just to fill in a bit of the backstory about yeah. who this guy is from Wakanda. I think that's a valid um, criticism because there's, it's actually known as the Marvel formula, isn't it? Yeah. We can kind of see these beats coming. We can read it very quickly. We know when it's happening, even from just the trailers. And this isn't that at all because the origin kind of happens in Captain America Civil War. And it's not like this film goes back to his kind of roots. There's a little bit of flashbacking, um, but they skip over the origin completely. Okay. And it's more about this, 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 this line in the film that... Um, um, it's very hard to be a good man and be a king, essentially. And it's about this titular character, the Black Panther, part of this long lineage of Black Panthers who are this kind of leader of this kind of... Um, this 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 country called Wakanda. Which it's is, like a hidden state, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's this kind of, like, um, lost this paradise. It remains mm-hmm. concealed and hidden um, within Africa, where essentially this millennia ago a vibranium laden meteorite and vibranium is the big MacGuffin of the film and one of the MacGuffins of the Marvel Universe is what Captain America's shield's made out of crashes in this um, in this part of Africa and given its incredible properties magical properties this entire race and culture of people grew in secret um, around that protecting what they saw as this incredibly prized and valuable object um but it's like a Bond film because obviously people come in and nick this vibranium and they have to try and secretly go out there and try and stop it from becoming um, misused, say. And actually, and the Black Panther is probably one of the oldest Marvel heroes, essentially, because mm-hmm. it's part of a long-standing lineage. It yeah. predates Captain America, and you yeah. really get that sense of it. But you also get a real keen justification as to why you've never really heard of it prior till now. It crop, It's cropped up in... Um, in previous films, I think it was there was a nod to Wakanda in Age of Ultron. It comes yeah. up, and um, obviously in Captain America: Civil War, you meet T'Challa and his father. Um, but this is about this is set a week after 
the fallout of Captain America Civil War okay. and him coming to terms with that. But it's just an extraordinary film. Mark Como put it really succinctly in his review. He said, when you get to the third act, you know who everyone is, you know why they're fighting, what their agenda is, and it's great. It's this master storytelling. Honestly, it is. I, I came out with um, the two colleagues... And we were, I've never spoken that much in depth about a Marvel film in my life. Not just wasn't that awesome, but just the ideas it raises um, around kind of post-colonialism, race, equality, feminism. Um, but this isn't kind of a tick box for kind of um, a kind of a, a Mary Jane, what's it called, Mary Sue, Mary Sue kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's not that at all. No. That's kind of incidental, really. Um but you feel this kind of hammer blow and it's, it's about the quality of the performances. You have here a villain who uh, just, you can't help but want to root for as well. You can really see why it is what they do, what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And it's, to a similar extent, what you kind of got a bit of with Baron Zemo in Civil War. Mm-hmm. And what I love about Captain America Civil War is it doesn't end with a kind of a myriad of explosions. It ends with a fist fight and this kind of broken individual really? who has been... Um, hideously kind of um, had um, several injustices before them and it's just an unfortunate set of circumstances that have created them and it's positively Shakespearean in that similar vein, Black Panther and and it, and uh, the guy I went with he said it's just almost like um, the kind of the tensions and discussions that one could happen, imagine happening between like Malcolm Epps and um, Martin Luther King Jr in terms of their various different responses it's, to it's, the... It's ext- honestly, and, I, and, and the problem is that when you're talking about this film, and, you're, and I really enjoyed this film, that I'm just fueling this hype. And what I don't want to happen is that me talking about it will be a tremendous letdown for people going to cinema. Because I recommended this the other day to two people, my, um, my partner's housemates, and they left about half an hour before the end. They just didn't get it at all. They didn't really? Take, didn't take to it at all. Didn't take to it. I was like, oh, but yeah, but all that kind of stuff. Yeah, but if you want to view it at that level. But for me, you know, it wasn't that. And it is a long film, but it didn't feel long. Like, I found Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 long. Yeah. This one, um, I, I, and the world, it, it just creates... A, Ryan Coogler does an incredible job of creating this world. And I really care about these characters. I feel like they've always been. Like, I'm really keen and happy. To, I cannot wait to see them. And we're going to see them soon in the next Avengers film, as the trailer is elucidated. But honestly, it's funny... Um, it's just really progressive. It's it's a love letter to Africana, uh, a culture, uh, a, a race, an ethnicity, a group of people that I'm not a part of, but I just basking in this incredible, rich celebration of this culture, um, sensitively do, sensitively done, and it's 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 just this wonderful kind of rich experience for me, really. It's kind of it, it, it is a relief to hear because you know obviously this film's too late in the making, but at least when they've actually done it, it's been done right. Yeah, I think that it's kind of a testament to Marvel that they've kind of put the right people behind it and allowed them to do the things that they want to do, and it's and. I think that sort of going back to Marvel, the, the the one thing that they've done recently that maybe DC haven't done as much has been prepared to break their own formula. I think they've looked back on Ant-Man and Doctor Strange, as I was alluding to before, and gone, you know, there there is a different way that we can that we can do these things, you know, with um, Thor Ragnarok being 
the first again I didn't see it because I wasn't invited um, being you know the first Marvel comedy a, a, a genre breaker within the genre um, and then this film seemingly to be a film that is able to stand head and shoulders above other films within the genre not just because of where it stands within the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but also where it stands, you know, holding up a mirror against society, is there's, there's kind of like, I feel that they're taking on board some of the beautiful aspects of, 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 of actual comic book writing and what a comic book is. For me, one of the lovely things about getting comics um, every month or twice a week or, you know, invariably as I do is the fact that their whole production process is geared so that they can immediately reflect things that are going on in society and they can immediately comment on things that are that are happening. Like, I've been reading Ed Brubaker's and Sean Phillips's Kill or Be Killed. And in there it references things to do with Trump's America and things to do with, you know, vigilantism and and sort of social ideas of of you know being oppressed and mental health and things that are definitely within our social consciousness at the moment and comics have are in this wonderful space where because their production process the the writing is done very sort of quick and reactive and then the art is is done very soon after that so there's a very sort of short turnaround with with when things get produced and when things are written and that's why that's why I love them so much because they feel like they're very much a product of their time and when they're created and and maybe the MCU's picking up a little bit of that and going actually let's not think of making films from a film point of view but let's think of making films from a comic book point of view um, which is kind of where they kind of something that that they lost with Doctor Strange and you know, moving from Ant Man into Doctor Strange. I mean, there there are some kind of the familiar kind of formula beats in Black Panther. Like there's that kind of Chekhov's gun thing in places where you know you'll see a reference made to something at the beginning, and you know it's going to crop yeah. up at the end. You can you can see where it's going in this film. You can see it, but in terms of how it gets there, I find very interesting and the choices it makes on that journey. I don't mind the Marvel formula. It's just in terms of the way in which that formula is kind of... There's something quite pleasing and satisfying. In fact, they've done studies, haven't they? It seems counterintuitive, but unconsciously, we as human beings, we it's a spoiler paradox. We like stuff to be spoiled for us. Mm-hmm. Even though consciously I can say to you, no, I don't, I don't want to watch the trailers, I don't want to see. But actually, there's, deep down, we like that satisfying of, of, of something kind of every note hitting where it shouldn't hit, if you see what I mean. And Black Panther does that, but how it does that, the way it plays those notes, is incredibly rich and just leaps ahead of something, as you say, what Doctor Strange was doing. I enjoyed Doctor Strange very mm-hmm. much. Yeah, I did too, yeah. But um, but this is, this is something else. It, I've never kind of thought this much over a Marvel film. It's really lingered with me. I, it's, just, it's just extraordinary. Uh, absolutely extraordinary. Um, and this is Ryan Coogler's I think third film mm. he's a young director he did Fruitvale Station he did Creed um, I really enjoyed Creed have you seen it? no I've not I've never I, was, I never watched any of the Rockies it just didn't that, seem very interesting I watched that on a plane on a plane to New York I watched Creed okay um, wow yeah 
it's very good. So yes, yeah, I mean he's gone from this to this, and um, so I, I I cannot wait. I mean I don't know when they're going to do the second one. They have they're going to do a second one. They have to, but I don't know when. What in, in Kevin Feige's master plan where this will fall in to the next phase. I I, I don't know whether in the plans they they did ever plan to have a sequel. Whether this was just always going to be be an origin story, and maybe it has morphed and developed into what it's become along the way so maybe it will change some of their plans, plans well I mean way. Wakanda seems to be playing a big part in um, his first Infinity War film so maybe there was a kind of a hint towards that and obviously spoilers for the, the end of Civil War Bucky is sent to Wakanda yeah um, Bucky Barnes for kind of rehabilitation so we'll see in terms of how that plays out there but no you should really go and see it I'm happily going to see it again so okay, we should go and good. see it Good. Well, I was going to ask you whether you wanted to go and see it today, but I'm glad I didn't now because then okay. you would have. No, I can go and see it. I'm, I'm, honestly, I will want to see this again and again, generally. Good. Yeah. We can we can play around the monikers if you want. We could do because you've got you, you're nursing this box. I'm, here. I've got the box next to me, and we we could just we could just. Um, what what do you want me to do? Do you want me to like pick? Yeah, yeah. So this is TM, 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 Palm Court, TM, TM, Buffalo Game Puzzles. Yeah, yeah, this is nothing to do this with... This is just a flavour of what's... Should we, see, should we see how many points you can you can do in, like, a minute or something? Okay, let's do this. And then we'll see how many points I can do in a minute. Oh, my word. Okay, cool. And then, um, no, yeah, when we go and see Black Panther... Okay. Whoever wins... Yep. ...buys the other person the popcorn and the snacks and the... Treats. It's Sam Turner's famous cinema grift. Up to the value of five pounds. Five pounds. Five pounds. Have you got a timer? I have indeed. So how long do I time for? Just for a minute. Okay. And we'll see how many. We'll see how many you um, you get through. So we'll just we'll just do the first round. So I can say as I can say whatever I want, but I'm just not allowed to say the word on the card. Okay, here we go. So play along, a home listener. Are you ready? Okay, I'm starting the timer now. Okay, mythical creature lives in a Scottish uh, a lake that L- used to be a glacier. Loch Ness Monster. Correct. Um, a bit of a cow that's on its flank. Udder. Well, n- no, that's underneath it. But um, This uh, this guy uh, appeared in a film with Robert Downey Jr. and that other guy from Brokeback Mountain. And uh, it's a really good film based on Sagittarius and Oh, Taurus. the Zodiac Killer. Yeah, correct. Um, something you use to break into... Um, uh, uh, Song. Uh, <laughs> no. Uh, okay. Uh, something that's depicted the, the world on. And in Greek mythology, he carried... Atlas. Uh, yeah, correct. Um, no idea who that person is. Um, something you do to um, mean that you may uh, that you may have less oh no well I'll explain what that is afterwards <laughs> uh, a dance that you do where you put your two hands out in front of you palms face down and you put your palms face up macarena yeah, correct and we're out of time okay the one that I was really struggling with was, with was pooping before you weighed yourself okay cool which I didn't really know how to no. describe. Let me see how many points you got. Uh, three, five, uh, nine, ten, eleven. Eleven points, Chris. Okay. okay. Wow. Eleven shiny points. So this four. Okay. A kid's popcorn. So I'm. I'm. So I've got. I've got my empire now. I'm going to go for those. If you got your timer. Yep. Three, two, 
one. Okay. Somebody who just keeps lots of stuff, buys lots of stuff. Hoarder. Yep. Um, this is a black and white creature that likes um, a, a syrupy thing that Winnie the Pooh goes after. Oh, not a badger. A, 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 a panda. No. <laughs> Okay. Okay. A person who goes into space. An astronaut. They are moving the car with the wheel in their hand and the accelerator and the petrol. An astronaut driver. They're moving. Astronaut pilot. Astronaut oh. pass. Oh my gosh, that is just ridiculous. <laughs> Don't know who that is. <laughs> um, um, hair on the chin. A goatee. Beard. Yes. <laughs> There's everywhere on a beard. H.G. Wells' novel, Person Who Cannot Be Seen. War of the Worlds. A what? Person Who Cannot Be Seen. Invisible Man. Yeah. Time's up. I know. Oh, jeez. Oh, Chris. Is that one? Like, I mean, I should... I sh- you can I- get Honey Badger. Well, yeah, okay. A black and white creature that likes the... Anita Hill, I don't know who that is. The astronaut who drove across the country wearing space diapers to kidnap her boyfriend. I mean, that was... That's only four... <laughs> that's four points, so that was ambitious. <laughs> So you got, yeah, you got a total five points. Five points. So I, to be, well, do I blame your description? So I was just wondering how you do the points, because you gave me, you get you took, you gave me the points, even though it was your skill in asking giving me the questions, wasn't it? The clues, sorry, I should say. Yeah, well, I'd, I'd, I'll take that. I'll, I'll, I'll be nice. I'll Thank buy you. you some popcorn. Thank you. That was staying in with myself, Sam Turner, and Dr. Chris Darby. If you've enjoyed this episode, then make sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Mixcloud, Acast, Spreaker, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you prefer to get your podcast from. And if you'd like to leave us a review too, then we'd be really grateful. Visit stayingin.podbean.com for more information and links to all the things we covered in this episode and come and find us on Twitter on at stayinginpod. But until next time, thanks for listening.